Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Fifty-one thousand plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight. I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. Swung. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Twenty-five lighters on my dresser, yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. I'm from the right center, and the Braves have landed. Twenty-five lighters on my dresser, yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. Swing and drive. Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey there, TPS listeners, welcome to another episode of the Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by Green Room, formerly Locker Room, if you haven't heard by now. As you've heard me say ad nauseum, which is a fancy Latin way of saying a lot, Spotify Green Room is a revolutionary new app, audio only, that brings you and places you firmly and gently right into the middle of your favorite shows and favorite sports, whether that be game time content, whether that be breaking news, talking to other fans. Hey, maybe you'll even see an athlete or two on there. All you got to do is download an app. It's called Green Room. It's by Spotify. Pretty fancy. You guys already have Spotify for your for your musical needs. Or you can download it for that, and you can start using it for your sports needs as well. Just make an account, tie it to your Twitter account, just like you can tie the TPS one to ours uh, every Thursday at 9 p.m. Yes, tomorrow night. We will be doing a green room. I say we, but it's going to be me. Probably going to do some more game coverage. We'll figure it out as we go along. But that shouldn't stop you from making your own account and getting involved in your favorite shows and meeting some more fans that you might not have ever had in here and any interactions with. Spotify Green Room, download it for iOS or Android. Green Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Okay. So, quick, quick trade deadline recap uh, and how the division is going so far. And I do want to say very quickly um, that I thought. Now, Doc and I definitely disagreed about heading into the trade line, uh, trade deadline, and we also kind of disagreed about how awesome the deadline was. One thing we did not disagree with was how incredible it was to get Richard Rodriguez. But that was a steal. I don't care what Bryce Wilson does. He wasn't going to do it here to get Bright now. And Ricky DeVito as well. Ricky DeVito has, a, has an awesome splitter. But essentially, you gave up what's probably more than likely is going to be at least one reliever, probably two out of the bunch to get Richard Rodriguez, who say what you will about guys that give up fly balls. He just doesn't give up very hard contact. It's an excellent, excellent guy. We've seen that so far in his little time here in Atlanta. Overall, we've started to see a little bit from 
uh, everybody who's been added in with the exception of Eddie Rosario. And I think that we can we can say, at least as of right now, the Braves might have actually won the deadline as far as the you know, least guys. Not that they did an amazing deadline, but they also didn't do crazy things either. I mean, certainly if you if you look at what they gave up, you know, say what say what you want to about Alex Anthopoulos, but he he really does a good job at finding uh, value in trades. Um, whether that's something you prioritize or not, uh, I can see why that might rub you the wrong way. But he did a really good job of adding four quality players on the 30th, in addition to Peterson and Vote before that. Uh, so he added six players, and he really didn't give up a lot in the, in the course of doing that. Um, the Rodriguez edition, oh man, they had a sweat and all the way past the deadline. That that deal didn't break till 30 minutes after the deadline was even done, and we're all sitting around. And it's scr- a good thing it did. Yeah, it's a good thing it did because I was about to go insane. Yeah, I mean we're all scratching our heads, going, "Okay, like Duvall, no bullpen." That yeah, that's great that we got Duvall and Rosario, and then okay, we got oh we made another trade with the Royals, and we got another outfielder. What is going on? And then just finally the the news broke in it, and this was something the the Braves couldn't go an entire trade deadline and not add a reliever and a good one. It had to be a good one. So now, it, it, when you look at where the bullpen is now for the past month, really, I mean they've the bullpen is at least for the last thirty five days or so has really rounded into form. Um, they are actually leading baseball in a few categories since the All Star break. So uh, you. You're still going to suffer from the loss of Acuna and uh, some of the other losses that this team has had. But, you know, the deadline seemed to really patch some holes. The bullpen's better. The lineup's better. The bench is better. I mean, and then you've got the uh, the guys that are going to be coming back soon to supplement that between Enoa, Darno, and Ian Anderson. So, I mean, this team is really – you you compare it to the rest of the division. The, you know, the Mets got Baez. Uh, Phillies got Kennedy and Gibson. The Nationals got rid of everybody. So, uh, you know, they've clearly separated the tiers in the division now. And, uh, and I, I kind of agree with you. I think the Braves had the best trade deadline in the, uh, in the division. And it's still right there. We're, just, we're only two and a half games back at this point. I can't believe it. And still not at 500 yet. <laughs> no, well, yeah, that's the crazy part. But on this deadline stuff, real quick before the end, uh, you can also tell when it was because the Braves did have a much bigger a target, a much bigger acquisition that they were going for. Uh, they were going for Brian Reynolds and Richard Rodriguez. Uh, and from what I've been able to gather, the ask from the Pirates was understandably astronomical. Uh, and Alex did not really want to pay that type of price. Um, I don't know the exact package, but I will, uh, I will let you guys think. And I will say that I would guarantee you that it included two of, I, will, I will guarantee you it included one of the big three outfielders, one of the big three catch or one of the big two catchers, and multiple other pieces as well. I will guarantee you that. Uh, not that shocking. I mean, the, if Ben Charrington isn't an idiot and he knows what he has in Brian Reynolds, so to pivot there, you can kind of see when the timeline hits because even the Solaire one broke very late. Uh, you can tell that's right around the time when they're like, all right, well we need some some bat in the lineup, and Solaire hasn't been good this year, but he's been better in the second half. And all of a sudden, we've seen it here. When he makes contact with baseballs, he destroys them. What I thought saved Atlanta, because I didn't think that any of the position players... Rosario is an upgrade over Pablo Sandoval, which is all you need to ask at that point. Uh, Duvall is an upgrade over Abraham Almonte, again, as long as you're making upgrades. And Solaire, uh, when he's hitting, 
is an upgrade over Almonte and Heredia. Um, but more than that, it means that you get to lengthen your lineup and you get to help your bench because now you're not having to just have Pablo Sandoval, Heredia, and Almonte and Adrianza make for a pretty decent bench. Uh, you still have Jock Peterson, who it looks like he might be... I don't know if he's finding himself into a little bit of timeshare or if it's more just a scheduled day off today. Um, but you've got options now, and it feels so much better looking at this Braves lineup when you don't have three automatic outs in succession in the order, unless you have you know Kevin Smith starting and then you have at least two. Um, but the rest of the, I think the rest of the division kind of dropped the ball. Now, you mentioned the Phillies going out and getting Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy. Ian Kennedy's already hurt. Um, he was warming up last night, and something didn't go well, and they had to warm up Jose Alvarado instead. So it's probably not great news for them. I know Ian Kennedy had thrown a lot of consecutive games. I think that was his. I think he had thrown 49 pitches over the last couple of days, and this had been in third one. So he Philly's already doing Philly's things. Uh, Javi Baez has already been both hurt and tried to start a fight with the Mets. Um, so he's right along with where he was as a Cub. Overall, I thought the Braves added good value. I do wish that Alex would be willing to give up more value in return, but we can approach that again in the winter. We'll see. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I, if that happens, then it happens. Overall, I thought the players that they added can definitely help. And like you said, two and a half games out right now, uh, and the month of August is going is, is looks to be very, very kind to Atlanta and not so much to Philadelphia and the Mets. One more point that I want to make is that Alex Anthopoulos managed to take Chad Sabatka, Alex Jackson, Pablo Sandoval, and Bryce Wilson, four of the least productive members of the Braves for this year. I mean, actually, Sabatka didn't even really get time this year, uh, but it's a miracle that he was able to cash in anything meaningful for him because he was in that Orlando Garcia deal. You look at, you know, Bryce Wilson came in the Rodriguez deal, which I couldn't believe how underwhelming that package was. But once, yeah, just... Also, to, to drive that should point be noted. Home, just to drive that point should, home, that's a that, those are good trades for nothing. Right, very very good trades as far as on the surface. Also, should mention that Alex did explicitly state that he was working on another deal for center fielder. That was Byron Buxton, uh, and you and I kind of talked about it. It's very very hard to place a value on somebody like Byron Buxton, who when he's healthy, we've seen him be an MVP caliber type of player. But it's that caveat of when he's healthy. He's only made it one season over 100 games. And we've also seen him, even in in a semi-healthy year, not be very good at all. So it's hard to to gauge value. The Twins obviously aren't going to give him away for nothing. And if you're a team that's acquiring him, you're not going to acquire him assuming he's going to play 150 games. You're not paying that price tag. So I'll be like, hey, I'll pay you the price tag for a guy that's going to play half a season. So all in all... I think Alex kind of held serve at the deadline and it kind of worked in his favor as the other two teams that the Braves are up against maybe made some ill-advised deals. I the, the Phillies one is still so weird to me, and I'm not a huge Spencer Howard guy, but it's Ian Kennedy and Kyle Gibson. Like I know Kyle Gibson's having a good year this year, but man, don't forget what Kyle Gibson has been his whole career. He's been Kyle Gibson his whole career. Yeah, exactly, and and he should continue to be valued as such. And then Spencer Howard is not he hasn't really lived up to the billing yet, but that's a solid, solid prospect. And for a Rangers team that has kind of had some bad luck with their prospects and uh, truthfully just having a really, really bad go of it this year, um, you know they they should be accumulating guys like that. And you you 
you got to put the daggers to the guys at the, at the trade deadline. you got to exploit other GMs. You exploit the desperation. That's why in the last hour you start to see all of the trades flood in where it's like, all right, I don't have time to screw around anymore. You want Spencer Howard? Fine, fine, whatever. Uh, you know, maybe I'll regret this, maybe not. But I can't go... I can't go this trade deadline and not acquire somebody, so if I have to overpay, so be it. I mean, How about the Mets not getting any pitching either? That's very odd for them. Yeah, um, and the DeGrom news for them, really the timing of it. Like, they knew that he was going to be, that he was dealing with his forearm stuff, but it was about, I swear, it was in between the end of the trade deadline and when the Rodriguez news broke is when it came out that DeGrom had a setback in his throwing plan. Like, I think he's done for the year. I, I, don't, I really don't think that there's enough time to get him stretched back out after this current shutdown to get him back. So the timing of that was horrible for them just because they didn't have time to pivot. And uh, Well, to be fair, they've been pushing this can down the road all season. Like, when a guy tells you, hey, and it's one side of my body, my back, my arm, my shoulder, my elbow, all hurting, my hip, and, and somehow your doctor says, oh, no, he's perfectly fine. Like, at some point, you have to understand if they're all localized in the same area of the body, I don't care what your doctors are saying. Like, something's up. And now you've also got Taiwan Walker, whose the wheels are completely coming off for him. He's given up 20 earned runs over his past 15 innings pitched. They're, they're, <clears throat> Sticky stuff. Yeah, <sighs> right. Uh, and the their depth is really being tested, and you know, pointed out last week they're under 500 for. By that point, it was 46 games. By now, it's 52 or so, um, and they're still under 500. They they just they're not a first place team, and uh, and so now to go back to the what you teed me up for about five minutes ago, yeah. But you couple all that with where they are in their schedule in the coming month versus what the Braves have coming up and what the Phillies have coming up. I mean, listen, by the, it is not out of the realm of possibility that the Braves will be in first place this time next week. Two and a half games. Mets is, have nine. Yeah. Mets have nine consecutive games with the Dodgers and Giants. I thought it was 13. If it's only nine, they got off lucky. I think it's nine consecutive. Okay. Uh, and then there's okay. like a little break in between there, and then they go back to the Dodgers again. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, and, and we have to face these teams too. We're just not doing it consecutively. And not, yeah, not not in that type of row. Like, I was looking at this today, and I know we're a Braves podcast, but obviously the Mets are, are in first in the division, and we want to see them crumble before the Braves can take over. Well, here's the August schedule. So they've had the Marlins. They've had the, the three games versus Marlins. You think, oh, well, that's a good way for them to pick up some wins. Wrong. They lost the series against the Marlins no matter what happens today. Um, well, they can at least split it, I guess. Then they play the Phillies. Then they play the Nationals, who suck. Then they have, starting on the 13th. Three against the Dodgers, three against the Giants, four against the Dodgers, three more against the Giants. So you're right. That is about as tough a stretch as you will have. That's that's insane. And now, granted, they get to finish the month off by facing Washington and Miami, but you're talking about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen consecutive games versus the Dodgers and the Giants. And those are two teams that just got a lot better, too. But as far as the Brave side of things, by the way, today's episode is brought to you, as we said, by Spotify Greenroom. Make sure you download it and join us on Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Uh, this, is a big, this is a big week for Tukey. Tomorrow's going to be a big start for him versus uh, Wade Miley. Now, we keep talking about the Braves and alternating wins and losses. It is literally an MLB record in futility and mediocrity. Uh, it, it should be impossible to alternate wins and losses for 17 consecutive games. Luckily... St. Louis decided to help the Braves out as much as they possibly could 
by lining up three of the exact same pitcher, all of them lefty, so you get three games in a row of right-handed Ozzy Albies. You help Jorge Soler by giving him versus lefties. doesn't really matter if it's lefty or righty for Freddie. He mashes everybody right now. And you give Austin Riley three consecutive nights against left-handed pitching. Same for Dansby. You've helped out the Braves immeasurably. Uh, and you, you put in three soft-tossing lefties that rely on throwing junk. And we saw what happened last night. The Braves were patient. And they dragged John Lester. Now, we've seen them do that to him a lot. Uh, to be fair to John Lester, the Braves have seen him a lot over the years, and they've seen him go from being very good to being very not good. Uh, and luckily, for some stupid reason, the St. Louis Cardinals have decided that the Royals are the right team to emulate and to just completely ignore what every other team in baseball is looking at in terms of pitching and to say, well, instead of getting giving my young guys some experience and having them ready for next year, let's add these awful, awful pieces in J-Hap, Wade Miley, and... Uh, John Lester, and let's watch them get beat around instead of our young guys. So uh, thank you, St. Louis. Now for the Braves, you enter tonight saying, hey, use the exact same game plan for J.A. Happ that you used for John Lester. Ditto for when Wade Miley pitches tomorrow. And for the Braves, Drew Smiley tonight, game plan, hey, get him through two turns to the order. After that, turn it over to the bullpen. But for Tukey tomorrow... That's the one that I want to discuss because this is going to be, and we've said this happens with Tukey numerous occasions, where Tukey has a start where he gets blowed up and he got blowed up in his last start. The question is, can you rebound? He had two really good starts in a row and then he got blown up. Can you go back to having the good starts or you can get blown up again? I think... It's a huge boost of confidence for him that the team didn't turn around and immediately send him back down to AAA. And now, granted, that was out of necessity, but uh, I think it all it says to him, this is how good you looked in the first two and how, how much we think of your ability to get back to that. Um, and yeah, he got clobbered. And that was the game where it was, it was the night of the trade deadline. It was Hank Aaron weekend. Braves came out and scored four on Corbin Burns. It, you know, as soon as they came up and it's like, oh my God, I th we are going to the World Series. And then, you know, the balloon deflated. Tukey just did not have it. So um, it'd be easy for him to, to get down on himself. But this Cardinals team is one that they're just kind of spinning their wheels. Um, they're not good at anything. They're really, they're really not. And it's frustrating because uh, I think we have the same record at this point. Uh, but, you know, they even, like you said, at the deadline, it was like just not even half measures, just quarter measures. of The best you could do was to go get John Lester. You know, like that That to me, if I'm a Cardinals fan, I'm like, I can't believe that's all you really did. So it, they're... Like, why wouldn't you just let Johan Oviedo start? You know, and at this point, they're probably eight games out of the wild card and, you know, just as far out of the division itself. I mean, they've got a lot of ground to cover, so... Um, I don't know if, if I'm a Cardinals player as well, I'm kind of frustrated if I'm like a guy like Arenado or Goldschmidt who are, you know, kind of getting up and up in years themselves. So if I'm Tukey, just go back to being aggressive, um, you know, have multiple game plans in mind and realize that you might have to access them at any point. You might have to just completely ditch the, uh, ditch the curb if it's not working, which beats, you know, it might be uncomfortable for the rest of the game, but it certainly beats getting your brains beat in because, you know, you're tipping it or whatever. Um, this could be the series, you know, seven, 17 games, you know, eventually something's going to have to give, uh, either, either we win tonight and, 
you know, we, we stopped this preposterous streak, which history will not remember because as soon as we finish that game against the Padres, it will be recognized right in the middle of this streak, so it won't be a record anymore. Um, you know, if we win tonight, it's over. We're back to 500, and we can hopefully finally, finally get over it. It would be nice to sweep a series. Legit question, have we swept a series all year? Uh... I know we haven't had a winning you know, streak longer I don't than know. four, but I, right, I think like, if we've had a winning streak of four, then I think that we, I think we might have swept. Actually, you know, I don't know. I was going to say that I think that we swept Washington earlier in the year, but I actually think we took like two out of three, yeah. and then took two out of three against Philly. Right, exactly, because we we were up. You know, Acuna homered against Scherzer in the first game of the season. It looked like we were going to beat him, and they came back and won. So that's just that's insane. But we're still, even even as it stands, we can come up with a million different ways to talk about how incredibly average and or mediocre this team has been. Two and a half games. Uh, seriously, that's a that's a weekend of we good did, baseball. We did, by the way. We we swept the Nationals back on May the fourth, fourth, fifth, and sixth. Excellent. Okay, good. So it's time for our second sweep. We're going to take the series against the Cardinals. I feel it in my bones like an old sailor who feels a storm. We're going to win this series. I'm looking right now, and I think that might have been the only sweep of the year. And, uh, yep, that's the only sweep that we've had so far. Hey, but at least it happened against Washington. Yeah, exactly. And and we have them coming up on, on the schedule, and this is the new-look Washington Nationals. And... You know, it's just Juan Soto and a whole bunch of nobodies. So we we get to play them uh, for six in uh, in August. So we play to our level of competition. I almost kind of prefer it when we play good teams sometimes because if we're losing games, at least it means that it was by somebody who is actually better than us and not just us playing down to the competition. So um, those yeah, <laughs> in, feels- in that case, the, the Giants and Dodgers series is going to be real interesting for me then. Well, it is, and and it's like getting back to Tukey on here. It's big for Tukey because Oscar Anoa made his first rehab start. He got lit up, but nobody was was very upset. It just sounded like it was rust more than anything. His velo and more importantly, his arm slot were right where they were before he went down. Uh, and he threw strikes. I mean, what was it? Uh, threw seventy one pitches and 50, 56 of them, I think, were strikes. So threw a bunch of strikes. Uh, he's actually his next start's going to be at Gwinnett. So the Braves actually feel since he threw that many pitches. He might not need multiple, multiple starts. He might only have to throw one or two more rehab starts before he's back up. Uh, Travis Darno, he's probably going to be back up at the latest next week. Plans are for him to get, I think, three or four days in a row here uh, and then get called up. So I think you could see him in the middle of next week. Um, th- things could be getting pretty right for this Braves team very quickly. My question is for you, what happens when Waskar Noah, Ian Anderson, who, by the way, are going back-to-back nights in Gwinnett, Good luck, the rest of AAA. Uh, what happens to the rest of this roster when Waskar, Ian, and Travis return? Uh, I think Kevin Smith's reign of terror will finally come to an end um, when Travis is back. You know, I, I don't know whether or not um, – I can't imagine that anybody would be really desperate to pick him up off of waivers. I know I know pitchers really love him, and, and the pitching, truthfully – Ever since Kevin Smith became like a regular guy in the lineup, the pitching has been pretty dang close to amazing. So uh, I know he's not hitting, and, and I, I can't dress that up in any way, but I think he's gone. Uh, I think Shane Green is gone. Uh, I think that one of the current starters probably... I think probably Tukey moves to the bullpen. Um, 
And I was actually thinking they either Muller or Smiley would move as well because they've only got one lefty out there now, and it's Smith. Um, I think it would be Muller, and I think the Braves can say innings cap. Um, yeah. And, hey, let me bring that 100 from the left side out of the pin. Yeah, there's that as well, and I mean, and they could always they could always bring up Minter and and run with a six man rotation and just just cut green. It could off. it could answer itself because if Smiley goes out and has another bad start today, that would be three in a row where he has not been very good, uh, and it, and that could make the decision for them because Kyle Muller's been very good. Um, he has. He's been typical Kyle Muller, which is deep counts and not going deep into ball games because he's running up. A lot of three ball counts uh, but that's for Kyle Muller that's still that's still better than he's been doing because he's not he, you'll, you'll see him give up some walks and he's still getting his strikeouts he's got to work for them um, but he's actually been better as a big leaguer than he's been really at any point during his minor league career he has he's like if Sean Newcomb had a way to get guys out you know he, right. he, he kind of yeah I think that's a big I think that's a key point because Muller has stuff and while Sean's got some stuff he doesn't have anything hard that breaks Whereas Kyle's got a hard slider, or at least an 86-87. It's kind of a sweepier one, but it's faster. Same thing for his curve. It's low 80s, and then he's got to change up on top of it. And he also has a sinker if he has to. But for Newcomb, he's got that 95, which he dials down to 91-92. But then he's got like a 72-mile-an-hour breaker and then like an 86-mile-an-hour changeup that doesn't really move. That's why it doesn't work for him. Muller, the question is always release point and command, but you'd feel I'd feel great about having him in the bullpen. So that kind of leaves me to... The way this team can potentially line up can be a team that can be fairly similar to last year. Now, I don't think they have the offensive firepower, obviously, but you've got Freddie Freeman, who's in the midst of, of a very, very good season, up over three F4 already. Probably not going to repeat his MVP, although there's certainly still a possibility. Um, but he's playing exceptionally well. Ozzy Albee's playing very well. Austin Riley, by the way, has played exceptionally, exceptionally well for nearly all of this season other than that really slow start uh, and a couple of, of cold spells in between, but he's up over 290. Uh, he, he's blasting balls left and right. This this team is starting to kind of look a lot more like a team that we were used to seeing, like a team that it doesn't look like they luck into any wins, but a team that at any point in the lineup can at least stretch it out farther and get to one of the big boppers. And it's something that I, I, I think is uh, paying very well. We saw Solaire get his first home run yesterday. And, of course, nuked it 100, almost 106 miles an hour. Freddie Freeman pulled his hands in beautifully on one. Duvall's been struggling, but we know what Duvall can do. Oh, and by the way, just as a nice little parting gift for all of you guys, Pache, Contreras, Waters, all three of them starting to tear it up a little bit in Gwinnett. I know that the, the overall stat line for Pache is not great, but if you're watching his videos, he's starting to look a whole lot better. His timing is starting to look great. He's not leaning so much when he's taking his swings. Drew starting to hit for power from both sides of the plate. And Contreras has been mashing ever since he went down there. Now, I know the divide between Major League and AAA is very, very vast. But do not discount the ability for any of these three to make an impact this season. Especially if Duvall doesn't really get it together. That could be when you see Drew Waters get an opportunity. Yeah, I mean, we can't expect these guys to come up and start dominating the majors if they don't dominate AAA first. So it is nice to see some signs of life. Drew Drew has had pretty uneven season, you know, just very streaky at some points and then really not able to maintain it for others. And you you guys have seen Pache's struggles firsthand. Uh, Contreras went down. You know, he 
he'd never played in AAA. Like, he came straight from AA up to the majors and uh, went to the alt site and then was back um, back in the majors. So finally getting some AAA at-bats, is last I saw his OPS was like 1327 or something. It's just unbelievable how well he's doing. So uh, if there's any... Once Darno comes back, if there's any lingering effects from the from the thumb, I think you could certainly see Contreras again at some point. And and one more thing, you were you were running down the lineup and talking about how good guys have been. I think we both need to eat a little bit of crow. Not even eat not even to eat crow, but just to recognize Dansby has been really good recently. I'm I I, he I, was, I was hard he's, on him and he deserved it, and now he has earned me not being hard on him. So well, he's finally got his WRC plus to 100, and I will say that that is like. Like, the home runs are awesome. Uh, the good part is, whether or not you or I believe that he's going to be very consistent, which I don't, just because I've watched Dansby play for years, it doesn't really matter if he doesn't have to be a focal point in the lineup. If he can be batting 6th and 7th, then you can take your lumps if he's in his cold spell. It doesn't matter nearly as much as it does if he's batting 5th and 6th every night and coming up in key spots with awful batters behind him. So, he's been pretty... He's actually been pretty bad defensively. I was going to say he's been pretty good, but he's been pretty bad defensively. But that seems to be across the board. But I'm perfectly fine with him exchanging a bunch of his uh, weak contact for home runs, even if it kind of leads to more strikeouts and walks. If you're only going to be a 100, 94 to 100 WRC plus player anyway, I'd rather you give me the homers. And that's something that we've definitely, definitely seen a huge uptick for from him this year. So I will eat some crow. He's definitely been a lot better than I expected. Um, I mean, I've kind of said it a lot that that's kind of he goes through big spells like that. But right now, he's certainly performing very well. And it's starting to look a little bit different, where it's not going 4 for 4 and then going 0 for 4. It seems to be a lot more of he's able to, to gap a couple there, go 2 for 4, 1 for 4, 3 for 4, uh, 0 for 3, and then come back and do well. So if he's able to get any measure of consistency at all, that makes this team that much better. And he's playing good enough defense. I know OAA is is got him pretty low down um but i haven't really honestly I, I it seems to be down for a lot of guys that it doesn't look that way to me quite honestly the metrics to me i don't i don't know i some of the best plays i've ever seen this Dansby year for make sure. have have come this year yeah well this year for sure because they've got trey turner at a 13 and 13th percentile and dansby in the 10th and these are two guys that are exceptionally talented defenders and dansby i wouldn't say he's exceptionally talented but like i've said before Dansby makes routine plays. Like, that's what he does. And he'll make one play a game that's not routine. Uh, now, he might he might kind of fumble one that is routine, but he doesn't make very many errors. And that kind of doesn't speak well to OAA. Now, I don't know if the shift is messing with OAA right now. It's not supposed to. But I can't think of any other reasons. I've, I've watched a lot of baseball this year. Dansby is certainly not in the 10th. Like, 90% of shortstops are not better than Dansby Swanson right now. No, ab- absolutely not. Absolutely not. And, you know. In this division, maybe Rojas. And that's it. We, I don't know. He was, he's just such a divisive guy. He's, well, he's so easy Lindor, to pick Lindor on Lindor's a better defender anyway, but Lindor is not, is not active right now. And Dansby, Javi Baez is also a very good defender. But I would say that Dansby's usually right on par with, like, a Miggy Rojas. He's definitely better than Didi Gregorius. But he's definitely better than 10th percentile. That's what I'll say. And yeah, and he he's uh, the bat is is starting to to finally come around. I mean, having a shortstop that can give you twenty five bombs a year, and uh, and solid everyday defense, and it, what was it forty something games where he didn't have an error? I mean, uh, something like that. Pretty good. That's for as many opportunities as he has, and the the up the middle defense. 
uh, between he and Ozzy is absolutely sound, and that's a credit to Ron Washington for me. The the drills that he's always doing and like never relenting, like they they do those every single day. The handwork, the glove work, it's all really really important stuff that they do. So uh, yeah, Dansby, I know you're listening, so I just wanted to apologize for having been such a jerk to you when you earned it. You got to do more to earn your love for me. But tough, also, tough yes, crowd. he's been tough crowd. But also, yes, he's been comparatively. This has been for me. This has been the best season for him. I mean, I, statistically, it's not his best one, but I think that this has been to me the best season as far as like watching him, where it doesn't seem so sporadic, where his offense comes and goes, but his defense has not been affected by his offense very much this year. I still need to see him be able to hit on the road because he still can't do that. Um, but I think that's kind of like the last key, and that's what you're starting to see. You're starting to see him hit on the road a little bit more, and that's the big key for him. Because if you looked at his splits, at one point this year he had a 32 WRC plus on the road, um, where it was just comical, where it put him in truest, he was going to mash. You put him out anywhere outside of truest, he was going to be horrible. So for him, I think that's the name of the game is be a little bit more comfortable when he's not at home. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're telling me that Dansby can be number seven in your order, then it's a much different lineup, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, I still don't think that you should give him 10 or 13 million. I still, I, like, I still think you should upgrade shortstop, but overall I can't really complain. It's just at this point, I'm just not going to be somebody that wants to bring him back. Um, but that doesn't mean that he can't continue to show me up and perform big in a big situation. Yeah, he is. He is what he is at this point. And, uh, and truthfully, I, I don't, Everything that happened up until this point is just kind of water under the bridge. I just need him to be good for two months. Hey, that's right. Hey, let's just go ahead and win this division. If, if it occurs on Dansby hitting a walk-off to get the Braves to the postseason, I'll sing his praises. To the moon, Dylan. We're taking off. This is the turning point. We said earlier this season, we got to stop saying this is the turning point. This is it. This is the one. Well, I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to say that. I'm going to stick to it. But speaking of to the moon, hope you guys are enjoying this episode as it takes you to the moon as the Braves look to not just get to 500, but go over and sweep these hapless, no good, dirty, rotten Cardinals. Uh, but that for us, that is going to be the end of our show today so we can get ready to watch this game in perpetuity. So, Doc, thank you, as always, for tuning in and uh, helping me out, Senor. To everybody else out there, thank you guys so much for listening, as we always, always appreciate it. Let's uh, get ready for the game and go, Braves! And uh, we will be back next week right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Thank you for being brave.